Last Sunday and today in our gospel readings, we've had a two-parter, Jesus' parable of the sower last week and this week, the parable of the weeds. This word parable, parabole in Greek, this is a story cast alongside the truth, as scholar Amy Jill Levine at Vanderbilt University says, a story cast alongside the truth. Like the sower who casts seed like no careful farmer from the first century would. He keeps reaching into his bag and tossing out handfuls of seed, heedless of whether he's throwing it out onto the garden or on the sidewalk or in the blackberry canes. And the field sowed full of weeds and the farm, that the farmer lets go until harvest. People listening to Jesus 2,000 years ago would have thought this is a crazy story giving over precious Israeli desert real estate to a crop that's maybe half weeds while you wait out the sorting of good from bad. Every fall and winter, we, and by we, I mean my husband Tom, (laughs) cast a good deal of grass seed out in our backyard. Our yard is full of old oak and hickory trees, and it's very shady, so getting grass to grow there is a challenge. We have a brick path from the house to our deck and we have a gravel pathway to our chicken's tiny house. And whether it's a lack of enough sunlight in the yard to grow grass or it's that we're in the hot part of the summer or it's that our chickens love to eat any seed as soon as we cast it on the ground, I understand on a practical level Jesus' list of difficulties with seeds taking plant, taking, taking root. Despite our best efforts, our lawn has bare spots, and not just bare spots. All through the good old durable Kentucky fescue grows, well, not grass. Today, Jesus has turned aside from the crowds, and now he's telling just his disciples this puzzling story, the parable of the weeds. We know the sower has been hurling those bags full of seed onto the field, but now, somehow, An enemy sows weeds among the wheat in the middle of the night. Farmhands, slaves in this translation, from the Greek word doulo, the same word for a professional birth attendant, that's who spot trouble. Now that the grain is starting to show itself, these servants discover it appears weeds are coming up where they know the farmer planted wheat. Another word for these weeds is tares in the King James Version. They call it cheat, C-H-E-A-T in Missouri. It's a plant called darnel. Darnel looks like wheat when it's first coming up, and it even looks like wheat when they start to produce the grain heads. Only when it's time to harvest could you actually tell the difference. Instead of a golden head full of grains like wheat, darnel would have a head full of black grains, and if they were ground up with the wheat, you'd have a loaf of bread that would make you sick. The farmhands ask the farmer, do you want us to go pull them up, weed the field? Well, Darnell has roots like fishing line that wrap around the roots of the good plants nearby. You're taking a chance if you try to weed the field because you'll pull up some of the good wheat, collateral damage. The sower says, no, let both of them grow together until the harvest then we'll sort out the weeds from the wheat. Jesus is preaching this series called Parables of the Kingdom 
The kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus starts these stories. This kingdom is like what exactly? A mixed up field? The master's decision to leave it all together just until the day of harvest? A final reckoning with wheat in the barn and weeds in the fire? Judgment is the topic underneath Jesus's parables of the kingdom. Ah, see the J word, judgment. Those of you who've been part of that great course in theology called EFM, Education for Ministry, you've gotten, I think, a good take on judgment. Rather than being the exclusive property of tent preachers or whole denominations whose focus is on are you going to heaven or hell and judgment preached right alongside punishment, judgment is the realization that I've gotten out of step with the God who created me. Judgment is stepping into truth about myself, coming to accountability. To be judged, to stand in judgment, does not at all determine consequence or a verdict. When I stand in judgment, I am given every opportunity by God's great mercy to repent and return to the Lord as we say we will do in our baptismal covenant. This is not really about the next life. Jesus spent no time describing the golden streets of heavenly Jerusalem, says one Bible scholar. Jesus, you know, is not nearly so interested in, as he tells us himself, the unknowable future as he is in the present, in God's call to life in relationship with God, with neighbor. The farmer says no to well-meaning ones who want to neaten up the field because separating the good from the bad is complicated. You can't always tell the difference. You might exterminate something that looks for all the world like a weed, but when you pick up the limp stalk, grains of wheat fall out. In one of the first crusades a thousand years ago, knights from Western Europe blew through an Arabian town on their way to the Holy Land and killed everyone in sight. Only later, when they turned the victims' bodies over, they found crosses around most of their necks. It never occurred to them that Christians came in brown skins as well as white. And in this field, our lives are intertwined. The darnel weeds roots wrapped around the roots of wheat means you can't yank up one without yanking up the other. Let's see what happens, the farmer says. And in another parabolic turn, not quite exactly like the way this world operates, it seems it might be possible for the darnel to turn into wheat by the time harvest rolls around. For us, living in the long between times, the time before the harvest, forbearance can be hard to come by. The daily news from around the world or in our own neighborhoods is cause enough for us to cry, my weed eater is ready, Lord. I mean, I'm sure I can tell who the weeds are, aren't you? Can't I at least take them down with a few well-chosen words on an Instagram post? Or withdraw, overwhelmed by all the bad that weedy people tend to inflict on those around them by their ignorance or carelessness or anger. Since ancient times, the wicked prosper Bad things happen to good people. But listen, 
The last reason the farmer says no to yanking the weeds is that the wheat run the risk of turning into weeds themselves. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God makes room for the weeds with the wheat, and whether we like it, approve of it, understand it or not, God asks us to let it be. Jesus is not issuing a call to be passive. On the contrary, it's a call to strenuous activity. If any of you've tried to love your enemies lately, you already know. And if you have dealings with extended family, for instance, maybe you know some of this coexisting of weeds and wheat. In my husband's and my own families, at family reunions, back when more of our elders were alive and the ones I mention aren't anymore, we'd rub shoulders with my uncle, who was a terrible husband, terrible stepfather, with my poor, haunted, drug-loving cousin, with my husband's uncle, who'd once criticized my beautiful sister-in-law at a reunion in front of others for sport, with my husband's cousin, for whom the truth was a concept meant to be broken at every opportunity. On and on with relatives unrepentant, as far as we could tell, for their selfishness. And yet, we'd all get together, greet the bad ones along with the good ones, mix it up with everybody every year if we could, partly because it's fodder for stories for the family canon, but mostly because you'd look to see if anybody was better, mellower, kinder, had found some peace. It's not easy being wheat, and we presume that we're wheat, don't we? (laughs) Especially with so many weeds competing for the soil. Our job in this mixed-up field we live in is not to give ourselves to the enemy by devoting all our energy to the destruction of weeds, but to try to live up to the five impossible promises we make with God's help in our baptismal covenant to go on bearing witness to the one who planted us among those who seem to have been planted by someone else, to stay in it, darnel and wheat together, and to call ourselves and our brothers and sisters to judgment whenever we fall into the sin of self-love over love of God and neighbor. Paul says that we in the whole of creation groan like laboring mothers while we wait. He assures us the Holy Spirit goes with us on our walk through this world, this weed-infested wheat field, makes us doulos, birth attendants. And look, the Holy Spirit insists on our involvement in the world, insists that we stay in a field of unweeded wheat while we wait with the promise of a time when creation will no longer groan. We wait on the Lord, our Lord so benevolent, so generous, so patient, that he refuses to weed until the very end. And at that end is not a distant doomsday. It's where we shall know the immediate presence of a living and loving person, Jesus Christ, the Lamb, who in his love offered himself for our redemption.